Welcome to another episode of Unstoppable Leadership Podcast. Um, Our guests will be jumping on here shortly. And while we're waiting on our guest, I have just a couple of things. Um, I have been working on getting a lot of things updated. And I am also working on updating the podcast cover. So you will probably see a lot of that going on. And, you know, we can't help but see what is going on in our nation right now. So those can be trying times as a leader. And, you know, there is a lot of things that leaders the stress of what is going on currently and how to deal with that. That is one of those focuses because leaders can get exhausted. I mean, we're human after all, right? So being human doesn't negate the stresses that we deal with. And being able to come with energy day after day is so important. And it's one of those things that as we continue to struggle with a lot of things that is going on with the world is learning how to deal with that, learning how to give yourself some self-care, how to do those things. So I just want you to know that we should come together. We really should. We should not be in division as much as we are. And, you know, unfortunately, we are in division. And I think when it comes to leadership, it's important to be able to help the people that you lead to understand some of the things that go on in the country. Um, Sometimes as leaders, we're really thrown in the hot spot, I would say, because you have to be able to deal with a lot of this stuff. You have to be able to still lead your teams. You have to show courage in the face of adversity. So it's those things that as we go on that, um, that we're able to continue. So, hey, Jamal, how is it going? I am great. How are you? Doing good. Welcome to the Unstoppable Leadership Podcast. Thank you. I was just getting just updated a little bit on what's going on. And um, Jamal, one of the things, as I always ask guests, is what got you started in doing what you do? Well, um, I, I just have a passion for developing people. I love to see people grow. I love to see people really just reach their full potential. And so it was a, a natural transition for me from being an educator to being a principal to now just developing other leaders. Because I, I recognize the best way to see people grow is to see their teams grow and to see those leaders grow because then the impact is multiplied. And so that's just what it is. 
Definitely. So you started out as a principal. So let's talk a little bit about that. What, yeah. what led you into that? Because that cannot be an easy job. It, it is not. Um, I would say being a principal is one of the most challenging jobs out there. I would say, I know everybody says that about their job, but I really believe being a principal is it because you are in the middle. You People think, oh, the principal is the one in charge. They had the final say in the school. They do have a lot of decision-making power, but they are the one who have, has to serve everybody. Like they have to make sure the students are taken care of, the parents are taken care of, the staff are taken care of. And then they're in the middle between central office demands and what they see that, that is needed. So it's a it's a very challenging job. Um, that's why I love principals um, and educators. But what got me into it was, you know, like I was saying earlier, I just wanted to increase my impact. I was in law enforcement. I went and got a business degree and, you know, the position I was in in the business world, I didn't like it. I was good at it, but didn't like it because it was boring. It was too boring, too stale. It wasn't it wasn't warm. It just wasn't doing it for me. So so I thought that, oh, if I go into law enforcement, that's helping people. When it's a law enforcement after a year and a half or so, I recognized that wasn't for me either. I didn't like it because I cared too much. <laughs> I guess, you know, <laughs> you know, people they wanted me to to arrest. I was like, look, we, you know, we, we can just do this. We can, you know, give them another way. And so, um, so then that put me into, I, I really just had a, had an, people call it an epiphany. I call it a revelation. I just, it was just really revealed to me. I was, I needed to be helping people grow. And so that put me in the education. And when I made the decision to become an educator, um, everything just kind of fell in line as to what the school I needed to go to, the job I needed to have, everything just kind of fell right in sync. And then as I was teaching, it was just something inside of me again, hey, that is pushing me towards greater impact, pushing me towards helping more people. And so for me, the natural next move was to become a principal because it's all about helping other people. Definitely. And my hat's off to people that are educators right now because yes. it, they have gotten thrown so many curveballs that oh nobody in our lifetime has ever had to deal with. And to be able to do that and still stay sort of sane is amazing. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. So you, one of your things is you help leaders that mm -hmm. move from scattered exhaustion to energize. And I think that is really important, even, even more so now, because okay. right now it's not just only the educators, but everybody as a whole, when you are in leadership and you're dealing with what you're dealing with, Let's talk a little bit about that. What do you do with leaders that have reached out to you and say, help me? What do you help them with? Well, first thing is I, I diagnose to figure out where exactly they need the help. Because um, I'm finding, like you said, people are exhausted. People are burned out um, because they're trying to lead their businesses or lead their schools. And there, and there are so many changes and so many things being thrown at them, like you said. 
and they feel like they have to have their hands in everything, which is why it's called scattered exhaustion. Because one of the one of the main mistakes of leadership is trying to be directly involved in everything. And that comes from my heart to want to serve and, you know, be the servant leader and things like that. Yeah, I want to I want to be the servant leader. I want people to know I'm there with them. I'm not an office leader kind of situation. But when they're too much involved in the day to day and every single detail, you know, as the leader, because there are multiple things going on, it causes their focus to be scattered, which then pulls on them mentally and emotionally which then brings about that exhaustion and that quick burnout because they're trying to do so much and they already have to respond to all the changes that are coming along with how you run your business, you know, as a result of the pandemic. So when they come to me, I just first, I help them figure out how to stop doing so much stuff. To be honest, I help them figure out how to stop doing everything that, you know, cause that's a common myth, you know, and I did it first year in leadership. I thought I had to be the encyclopedia of knowledge. I had to be everywhere. I had to be everything to everyone, you know, and that that's not true. No, that'll burn you out quicker than you can say hallelujah. And I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. I think just about every leader has done that. And that's how we learn what not to do yeah. because we do have a tendency. We really, we want to show our team that we're there for them and that we can help them. And I did that, especially when um, I was co-manager on overnight. So I was going like, I'll help my team run freight. And, you know, you lose sight of a lot of things when you are scattered because you mm-hmm. do come exhausted extremely quickly. So yeah. what are some of the tips that you can give leaders to sort of, back away just a little bit and start delegating a little bit more to where they're not so exhausted. Yeah. And you said the key word. One of the things is delegate. But before you delegate, you have to make sure your team is prepared to be delegated too. So a lot of times people say, well, I'm just going to delegate. And they'll find somebody and be like, oh, you you look like you can handle this. You're interested in this. And they'll just give it to them. Or they'll, or they'll say, well, I'll show it. I'll show you how to do it. Then you can take over, which is okay. However, my first piece of advice is to prep your team. They must be ready to champion an area, which is more than just doing it, being able to perform the task or do the thing. It is about, okay, I can do this, but can I make decisions regarding this area? Am I able to adapt if something doesn't go exactly the way it should? Or do I have to keep running back to the leader to ask them questions and get approvals and things like that? So you have to prep them to actually champion or lead that area before you delegate. Because once you delegate it, you shouldn't have to touch it anymore. They should just be able to supply you information about it. It should be their baby from then on. And so that would be the first tip. Prep your team and then give it to them and resist the urge to stay involved. (laughs) And I think that resistance is the thing a lot of leaders, that's one of those things because they're going like, ah, ah, ah. And especially when you are a small business owner. Yes. I find that that is a huge challenge for a lot of them because they feel like they're handing over their baby and they are in some respects, mm-hmm. but yes. if they want to grow, 
they really need to hand that off. Yes, that's true. You cannot grow, or I heard it said today, you can't scale without your team. And so you can't, because there will come a time when you can't do everything and you have to trust people with the vision of your business and that aspect. And then you have to be okay with them having their own vision for your area, for their area in your business. Because a lot of times it's like, it's our baby, we see it this way. But sometimes the other person, the way our team is seeing it, may be better than what we initially thought. Maybe what we had was just the framework and they added the other pieces to it. And so you gotta be okay to let them, them take it because as the leader and the, the business owner, your responsibility is to make sure all the parts stay connected and operate in harmony. And you look at the bigger picture and the future planning and watch what's going on and know when to pivot, know when not to, that kind of thing. But the other dynamics, you have to let your team, you gotta let them run with it, you know, and, and trust them, which is hard because it's been so long building it and put so much work into it. Definitely the trust, but verify. That's what I had one leader that would tell me, trust, but verify. And when you do that as a leader, it sort of alleviates some of that stress because you are doing that. You are trusting your team, Mm -hmm. but you're verifying what they're doing. Are they doing what I'm asking them to do? And so going along with that framework, what is one of the biggest challenges that you've had in your leadership roles when you've had to learn how to delegate and you had to learn to trust but verify? I would say the biggest challenge for me was when I was, I would say it occurred when I was in school as a principal. And at the time I was leading a school that was the largest school I had been in up to that point. You know, almost within a couple of months, I went from, managing 25 staff members or leading 25 staff members to leading almost a hundred. And so it was like, oh, okay. So this thing grew exponentially real quick. And so, you know, the, the biggest challenge for me was to really to the trust part, because, you know, we read these books and we listen to podcasts and we recognize um, everything rises and falls on leadership. And it's almost like for me, I thought, well, if I'm be held responsible, I at least need to be <laughs> know what's going on, <laughs> you know. And so for me, that was, and it was hard because I had so many staff members. We serviced so many students. I couldn't be everywhere, so I had to really allow my team to be extensions of my leadership. And not extensions of me personally, because that was a growth thing for me, too. Because at first I was like, well, my team should be extensions of me. They should respond the way I would. They should talk the way I would. And no, that's not the case. I had to let them grow and be authentic in who they are, but be extensions of leadership, knowing that they would respond and do things in a way that was in alignment with the vision, which might not which might not be the same as how I would do it. And yeah. so it was that that growth of allowing trust, allowing them to be authentic as leaders, 
and then pushing myself to be authentic while doing that. Definitely. And being authentic is the thing. And especially now we, we want transparency and there's a reason why a lot of leaders, I think, struggle with that because on one hand, there are some things that you can't always tell your team, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, there is a lot of things that you can be transparent about and it's about building that trust and being authentic. And one of the challenges that I learned when I was learning how to be authentic because I was trying to find my way and I was like you, I had sort of similar, I went from a really small, small, small store. I'd say it was about a $54 million store is what the gross Mm -hmm. sales were to a $114 million store. And those challenges were definitely steep. And it was learning how to be authentic to myself, to my team, but also learning how to be transparent with them because there was a lot of things that we were told in confidence, but how to filter that down to where they could understand it and understand that there were some things that we really honestly couldn't discuss. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because that is definitely a key. And I made I made that mistake too. I was at my first year at this larger school being the principal where I had the the almost a hundred staff members. You know, I believe in transparency. I'm a very I'm a very straightforward person when it comes to how I speak and when I write things. I write in bullet points versus paragraphs. You know, that's just You're my people. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. And so and so one of the things I did was to be, you know, because I'm open and transparent, I would share stuff, you know, and um, I recognize quickly that I can't share everything because sometimes in the effort to be transparent and to build trust, we overshare as a, as leaders and it almost hurts more. It hurts the culture more than it helps. And then it makes and I found later that it made some members of the team think badly of me, even though I was sharing things that, you know, and I was just being honest, you know, one particular incident was um, they were rolling out this new, um, this new system for testing students. And I advocated and said, no, we're rolling out way too quick. We need to train them, let them, let the teachers learn the system, get practice in it, and then begin implementation like either the second half of the school year or the next school year. But you can't roll something out within two months and expect them to be proficient at it and be able to pull data and make these instructional decisions in two months. That's 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 team too much is what I called it. And so um, so I advocated. But of course, you know, they I got overruled and I was very blunt and clear with my teachers. I was like, this is not rolling out the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's it's being pushed. It's not okay. We're just gonna make the best of it. But I found later, and I thought I was just being transparent and showing them that I care and that I understand the stress that this was putting on them. That was in my head. But what some some people got that message, but others, because in a room of Every, no matter how many people you have, whether it be three, five, ten, a hundred, 
everybody's going to hear through their own lens and everybody's going to perceive your leadership through their own lens. So I had some people who said, well, you seem like you just like to make excuses and don't take responsibility for anything. And I was like, where did that come from? Because I own my stuff. I just won't own anybody else's because I'm too busy owning my own. <laughs> and so, so, you know, so that, that taught me how, how to be, how much transparency I can have and really how to be strategic with that transparency. Cause I thought I was building relationship and building rapport, but I was really damaging rapport and not building relationship. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up that point because everybody does have a different lens. They have a different perspective on, you can say one sentence and I liken it to, and we'll go back to school, liken it to the process of the, what was it called? I'm trying to remember where you just start down the line and you repeat one line. And by the time it gets to the end of that other person, it's not the same thing. Oh, yeah. And we do the same thing because as adults, by that time, we have how we were brought up, what schools we went to, our leadership methods, who has impacted us. Yes. All of those things. And you're right. When we as leaders and we think we're really being transparent or really not, because a lot of people are going to like, negative and that's probably how they saw that more than not yeah. and I think that was one of the things that I learned how to filter that myself because I learned to quit because for a lot of people that sounded so negative when we wouldn't champion the changes that were coming and I learned how to say, you know, instead of, well, this, this sucks, this is not what we were meant to do, blah, blah, blah. I would put it, okay, this is going to be a great program. It is going to have challenges and opportunities. We're going to roll with it. We're going to see what we can do with it. And then whatever roadblocks that we found with things, we would just push it up to upper leadership and say, hey, this is working. This isn't working. What can you do to help us? And then that way we're building partnerships and we're not really um, making people feel uncomfortable. Yes. And that's good. And there are two things you just said that I really, I really, really think stuck out. Um, the first thing is, you know, instead of saying it sucks, you know, because the tendency, if you think it sucks, you want to be honest and say it sucks. But, but the thing I, for me, I won't. I've learned not to say so. Say that. I would say here, this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna make it work. And like you said, and elicit the partnership, and you know, tell you know, shoot up the chain. You know what challenges we're facing now. If you know. If you're in a situation where there's no one up the chain to shoot it to, then that's different too as well. You know, you can kind of just adapt and adjust because sometimes you're put in situations where it's not ideal. Like now, um, things are imposed on some businesses that are not ideal. You know, I think back to some friends of mine who own certain businesses and they were told their business wasn't um, essential. You know, and the first thing I thought was, how are you going to tell somebody their business isn't essential when it's essential to them, customers and their families, you know, so. Yeah. 
So, but it's like, okay, that was not a good situation. But the thing is, it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it work. We're gonna make this thing that's not so good benefit us some kind of way. And so I think that's key because in leadership, we have to always know how to use everything to benefit the people we serve um, as leaders. And then um, then you said something else. I'm trying to what else you said that I that really stuck out to me. Um, it was about I think it was probably about champion and really building those partnerships. I think for me my lesson in that is when we were rolling out reorganizations and that really brought it to mind when you were start talking about the small businesses because unfortunately all of these small businesses that have been impacted these small businesses are 80 percent of our economy in this country yes and that's huge and when we really start thinking about those things and for those of us that work for bigger corporations, because right now I work for a fairly large corporation, I do this podcast on the side. Mm-hmm. And as I've been watching the struggles that they have been implementing things and watching the leadership, um, I love to watch our CEO who is extremely direct. And I've never seen that in a CEO. And I'm going like, who is this person? (laughs) I'm going like, I want to know you a little bit more because for people of us that have to deal with all of the changes that are coming at us. And fortunately our business is an essential business. Yes, We don't know what is, if it's going to stay essential or not. Mm. Right now I work in the hardware retail industry is what I work in. And it's, you know, who's to say that it's still going to be considered essential? You don't know. Right. And that makes you feel almost powerless as a business owner. Yeah. Someone can decide if your business is essential and tell you not to operate. You know, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but it's challenging. That's a challenging situation. And so, but that's why, and I like the you know, the name Unstoppable Leadership. That's why as leaders, we have to be the ones that say, okay, we're not going to let this situation stop us. We're going to find a way to operate around whatever parameters they have given us so we can still be profitable, so we can still serve our customers, so I can still serve you so you can take care of your families. You know, and and that's really important. You know, and, um, I want to jump back to what you said about people hearing through their different lenses, because you made a statement um, that that said that sometimes people perceive your leadership based on leadership that they've experienced in the past, which is so true. I mean, right now you're experiencing a very direct and seemingly good leader based on what you just said in your company. But people will will judge a leader by their past, by the past leaders that that person has had. So if someone has hurt them in leadership or not supported them, they're automatically going to look at you through that lens of hurt, lack of support, feeling, you know, that feeling of suspicion, 
all of that kind of stuff. And so bringing that back to the small business owners and what they're dealing with now, if you have someone on your team who's looking at you through that lens, while you're trying to navigate through how you feel as a leader about decisions that are made that impact you, that's a different dynamic. So it's very important to understand these dynamics and to keep ourselves in a good headspace so we can keep our team in a good headspace. Definitely. And I love that you brought that up. So as we get ready to wrap up, I always ask my guests, what is one last nugget that you can give our viewers? Um, the main nugget I will give now is I believe, and I just believe this for this year, I always work off of themes, you know, things and phrases that come to me that help me stay focused and aligned. I would say, and I would share that as a nugget to all everyone watching. This is a time for dreams, dreamers, and dream teams. And so my nugget will be, yes, you have a dream, which is your business, your place of your leading, you're the dreamer, but you cannot accomplish it without a team. You must get, and not just anybody, you have to have a dream team. You have to get the right people with you and around you so that you can navigate through these challenges and be successful. Definitely. And I love that. You do need to follow your dreams, surround you or yourself with people that know how to execute those dreams. That is part of it. So Jamal, where can people find you? I know that I got your website scrolling down at the bottom, but is there any other places they can find you? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on almost all the social media platforms. Um, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, I'm on Snapchat now, but, you know, just Jamal Maxim, you know, I'm on all of those platforms, name, and of course, my website is there as well. Okay. Jamal, thank you for coming on. It's been a really good conversation. I know this year has been a challenge for leaders and I love what you're doing. So if y'all haven't checked out Jamal's website, check it out. Um, he has some really good content on there because it is all about where you want to go with your business, where you want to go with your team. And don't hesitate to reach out because we're here for a reason. We're here to help you. We've been down some of that road and to find somebody with a fresh, a fresh outlook on what you're going through is important. So Jamal, thank you for coming on. It's greatly appreciated. I, I, I really appreciate being on your podcast and the opportunity to share. Um, I don't take it lightly, you know, and it's, it's an honor. Really. Thank you. Definitely. So everyone, whether you follow me on Facebook, I am also on YouTube, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. Um, you can find me on Spotify and Amazon and also Anchor. So I release these videos um, into audio uh, through Anchor and we'll have the schedule up here shortly on when this one will be released. So everyone, as always, love to sign off and tell you whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're unstoppable. You are the beacon of hope and you are loved. Everyone have a good night and I will see you back here on Friday evening. Have a good one. Bye.